0: your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to Luke chapter twelve. We'll be there in a few moments. Well, this is a holiday season, and uh, you know, as a church family, we have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, not just the lot, but everything here—the facilities we have, recently paid for. There's just you know, no debt here. Beyond that, we have the good spirit and just the manifold blessings of God. And I, I hope it really. Part of my sermon thought today is to help promote this. I just hope we never lose sight of God's goodness and what He's done for us. Sometimes it's easy when much is done for us to lose sight of that goodness and develop attitudes sometimes that that really are not always uh, best for us. So, to that end, I want to check your Bibles and turn to Luke 12. Go ahead and stand with me today. And this is such a familiar story, and often it's preached in the context of financial giving that is not. what I'm doing here today. But I want you to see a principle. And um, I I use this text because we can can find this principle over and over and over in the Word of God. And and this is sort of a starting place with this. But what I want you to see is what happens to a man, um, what happens to the barn builder. And as his wealth increases, as he has one parking lot, two parking lots, three. As he has a house and then a bigger one and a bigger one, as the Lord blesses him with more and more and more. And if I just stop there for a moment, in a way everyone in this room is the barn builder. At least in terms of the way we look at the world, there's a great deal of the world's riches concentrated right here where we live. And so no one really for the most part here would be immune from the disease that plagued the barn builder's heart. And that's what I want you to see today. Verse 13 of Luke 12, And one of the company said unto him, Jesus, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. So, here's a man who has been given wealth. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not um, in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, this is a principle that we just cannot get in our heads. We think with things we'll be happier. And the more we get, the more happy we will be. And that is not true. Matter of fact, uh, it is the opposite. The more we get, the less happy we tend to be. thou hast much goods laid up for thee for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And so is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God." And by the way, um, the great laws of the Bible is love God, love people. If we give to people we are giving to God how so the Lord sees it. And so, we've not been rich towards God nor others. Now verse 31 of the same chapter. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then this advice, this imperative, sell that you have, and give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief corrupteth, neither moth corrupt us. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this day. Lord, thank You for the uh, Lord, the excitement that we share here today. Thank You for Your goodness to us. Lord, You've, you've given us money, and we have barns. And, and Lord, we don't want to be guilty of just ever increasing Lord, our Kingdom here. Lord, we we want to have a reach that extends far beyond East Baptist Church. Lord, into East Tulsa. Lord, the city, the metro, the state, and the world. And Lord, we we, we want to guard our heart. And and Lord, I pray today as we consider the subject of Thanksgiving, how to have a heart of gratitude. Lord, this simple principle today will apply to our life. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank You so much for standing. Much of Biblical teaching around the holiday season focuses on the subject of Thanksgiving, especially over the next week, and that would probably extend on into Christmas. The thoughts which are right is that we have much to be thankful for. And that is true, is it not? If we just take the context of Eastland Baptist Church we have much to be thankful for. If you were to examine your own life, you could count your blessings and name them one by one, and all of us would be amazed you know, what the Lord has done. But here's sort of an enigma, uh, something that's sort of curious about our lives and the abundance we have in our age and maybe Western culture. Um, while we should count our blessings, as we grow in wealth it often becomes harder to do that it's like a spoiled child it's just sometimes hard to see god's goodness in what we have received modernity has done many things to us it affects us in ways that maybe we cannot see but modern western culture for the most part has not made us happier it has made us wealthier but not necessarily more enriched. Not a larger, greater heart and or soul. In many ways it's harder to be grateful than ever before. We struggle with this. And, and, and there's some reasons for that. There, there, there's some dynamics that happen in our heart and in our mind and in our soul as abundance in our life increases. I could take you to many examples in the Word of God, but one that has always loomed large in my heart as a principle is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then the thought there is echoed in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'm going to read part of that. I just want you to listen to what the Lord says to His people as they went from slaves in Egypt, and then wandered in the desert, a time of difficulty, and then they were delivered to the Promised Land. And then there, God says, when you get there, things are going to happen to you, I'm going to bless you, you're going to be increased, uh, your, your houses are going to get bigger, and, and your, your corrals are going to become full. And so then God gives this word, Deuteronomy eight eleven. He says, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. He said, lest... Beware abundance, because when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that that thy house is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up. Now think about that. It's easy when wealth comes, and when I say wealth, I'm talking about the kind of wealth that everyone in this room has that their heart be lifted up, and they forget God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage." There's this principle that we see rehearsed over and over in the nation of Israel in their history, is that they started in an impoverished condition where they depended upon God. And I'm going to guess there was a level of generosity, though they were poor, that was still extended in a greater way. And then God blessed them because they served Him and thanked Him for what meager provisions they had, and then so God blessed them as a principal, and they got more and more. But what happened is as their blessings were multiplied, conversely, their heart grew smaller. And in time, we could say they became thankless. Gratitude began to diminish. I read an article this past week on the subject of thankfulness and gratitude, And as my reading and research often does, it takes me to some academic research articles. I I just enjoy reading those kind of things. And one that caught my attention was a study done by the University of California at Berkeley, a pretty heady place. And this research, of course, in my reading this week had to do with gratitude. And this was interesting, they were studying what inhibits gratitude. Now you with me? And I don't know why they were doing this study there, but they were, and I'm sure it was a sociological study, and they were looking at what inhibits the idea of gratitude, and what encourages the feelings of thankfulness, and and what causes gratitude to flourish in the heart. Now it's interesting. One of the major factors mitigating against personal happiness and outgrowth of thanksgiving was the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) I want you to think about that. What mitigates against happiness? The pursuit of it. I just want us to stop there for a minute. What keeps people from being happy is always seeking to be. Searching for it as a primary uh, pinnacle interest. And trying to always please myself, and get what I want, and do what I want. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but happiness and joy and peace and thanksgiving, they don't come because you pursue them. They are byproducts of those who seek first the kingdom of God. They come from those who are generous and who are good. They come from the opposite of the barn builder who invests in things eternal. And God gives these things a heart of gratitude as a byproduct of pursuing God and things good and Right? I think that's fascinating. When we make happiness a direct objective of our life, it comes with a reduced life satisfaction. When we make possessions, identify that as the goal of life, increased position or material gain as the source of material fulfillment, we almost never find it. Ironically, in pursuing the thing we want, we can't find it. We are like the dog chasing its tail. Always out of reach. Always pursuing, but can't get it. Now, there's a number of interesting observations that the study made. One uh, was this, the pursuit of materialism, um, self-gratification, the pursuit of pleasure, power, recognition, wealth, I don't think they come with it, caused as a direct result, feelings of depression. Now, this one's fascinating, frustration, a lack of contentment, emptiness, lack of satisfaction. Now, this was true even when the pursuit uh, obtained what it was after. In other words, it's not just we pursue and can't get, but sometimes we pursue and get. In the state we were in here, when we were pursuing it, of unhappy, thinking that that would make me happy, when I, when I get here, I was equally unhappy after a few days, a week, a year. Was when I was right there, and then I get some more, and I'm happy for a moment. But then I'm equally as unhappy as there. Then I get some more, and here's the thing: I'm all the way over here now. I'm rich. This is fascinating. I could be just as unhappy there as I was right here. That's crazy. And this is interesting to our point, specifically. And to the point of the study, materialism, increased wealth, creates something, not gratitude, not happiness, but entitlement. A sense of, well, I deserve this, and I deserve more. And as entitlement, okay, now I want you to get this. Here's where I was. I'm pursuing this. I get this. I get this. this, what did increase in every stage with the unguarded heart was ever-increasing entitlement. Well, I should get these things. I deserve these things. Why don't people understand, you know, that I did this by my hands and my hard work, and it comes with ever-increasing entitlement. And as entitlement increases, gratitude diminishes as a conclusion, a society or individual that focuses on wealth and accumulation, materialism, and then thus becomes entitled, diminishes its capacity to be grateful. Do you think maybe that could be us? And I'm not saying, you know, we're ungrateful. I'm just saying, as a culture... Is it possible that people in America are less happy, less grateful than ever before because they've not guarded their heart as they've accumulated stuff? So, they did a second study based on the findings of the first to discover, well, what increases personal satisfaction or happiness? Now, here the scientific jargon gets complicated and I'm going I'm to summarize it in words we're familiar with. What they discovered was that humility increased gratitude. <laughs> in other words, that which is opposite of entitlement, a less egocentric uh, viewpoint, um, the denial of personal hedonism. To paraphrase, um, they discovered this in the scientific research people who see life. As a gift are more happy, more thankful, and express a higher life satisfaction. That 's fascinating. They see other people as important. They understand that where they stand um, is because other people help them. They don't think themselves self-sufficient. They are not smug. They are grateful. They see life as a gift. Humility begets gratitude. And it gets people off the hedonistic treadmill. Now, that is a direct quote that they said. What is the hedonistic treadmill? It's a theory that posits as a person makes more money, that their expectations and desire rise in tandem. (laughs) Is that not humans? You with me? Now, listen, this is is cool if you're not getting it. It's, It's good to understand that as a person makes more, gets more, experiences more, that their expectations and desire rise in tandem. And the result is that they can find no permanent gain of satisfaction. In other words, um, I got this, I gained something, and um, then I thought, well, I deserve to be here. I deserve to park on the front row. Just just (laughs) throwing that out there. And then, I expect to live in this kind of house, to make this kind of income. And then all of a sudden, it you know, begins to manifest itself. Hey, okay, just no one here, but imagine, have you ever met an entitled person? You all know what that is, You, got, you, you got what that looks like, right? It's ugly, isn't it? So, there's a principle here that I want you to get every time that God blesses, there is this axiomatic potential danger that our heart could grow smaller. If we're not careful, if we don't guard that, God could give us more and more. Your salary could increase and increase. Your home could get bigger and bigger. And all the while, you're on this hedonistic trim, treadmill that makes your ex- expectations go up. And anyone who's ever been in leadership or, or who rises in, in certain ways, if you think about it, you're going to recognize that in yourself. It's, it is a scary truth that we need to be aware of. The second variable they found was this, I get to paraphrase, people who reported the highest degree of personal happiness, gratitude, and this I want to get to as a, as a principle, were engaged in altruistic service to others. Getting stuff doesn't make people more thankful. Well, I have more to be thankful for. I I could count my blessings. Yes, you could. But the human heart and inclination, the depravity of, of sin often keeps us from that ability. There is this principle at work in our lives as we get more, we're less thankful. But if we, and this will be true anywhere, you know, we we could navigating this ladder upwards, and we can mitigate what comes with this in the negative by making sure that we're being a servant to other people. You want the medicine, the recipe, the script to keep you from the negativity of the positive climb upward? you got to be generous, unlike the barn builder. You need to serve people. You need to be altruistic. You need to care about people. And I'm going to tell you, very few people can do that super successfully, but you have to try continue to be servant-oriented. Putting some of these things together, humility, gratitude are a result of a, of a serving life, a seeing life as a gift, and being a giver of self to others. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a whole lot of academic research to discover a simple biblical principle that is distilled in this simple phrase. It is more blessed to do what? Yeah. Than to <laughs> You see Berkeley just went to the Bible. Acts chapter 20. It's just gone there. Oh yeah. It's so fascinating to me that when science finally catches on to what the Bible says. It's more blessed. What's blessed? It's it's everything that's good. It's more blessed. Happiness, joy. A heart of gratitude comes from extending and giving from what we have, not the accumulation of more. The less we focus on ourselves, the less entitled we will feel. It will develop a greater ability to enjoy what God has already given. I'm not suggesting God's blessing in any way is a negative. I'm just suggesting in the depravity of the human heart, there are other principles that can mitigate against the blessing that God intended to give in the stuff. When you and I begin to think of our lives as a resource, as um, a gift, when we start to think of ourselves as a water hose rather than just a great big bucket to be filled, um, that's good for your heart. And it's a recipe. For being more thankful, for being more grateful. Um, Jesus, of course, is the greatest example here. He said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. The Apostle Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. And I'm going to submit to you the Apostle Paul was a pretty grateful person. Jesus was the opposite of entitlement. And Paul was the epitome of gratitude. But often serving others is a, um, it's the opposite of our natural inclination. Um, our nature often seeks to secure what's best for us first. Now, <laughs> this is so silly. And you may not, I may not be able to convey the, the picture here. So, Friday, I think it was, um, the girls had come to the house, and the grandbabies had come to the house. And so I had gone outside to play with the boys. I won't name their names, but um, these little boys, and they're playing on the playground set that we have out there. and it's, it's just a simple playground set. There's a ladder on one side that goes to a platform and a slide on the other. Okay, you guys got that visual? And so they're, they're happy. They're going up and they're sliding. But then somewhere in the course of things, they became, the, the fun became competitive. And I don't know, so like they would come down in rapid fire succession, and then it was a race to go around the other side to be first. Now, why that was a big deal, I don't know, but it was a big deal. And so they're racing around there to be first. And if they weren't first to the ladder, they often would do things to the person who was first on the ladder to inhibit their progress up that ladder. <laughs> you with me? So hands on. And then there's pulling. Well, then after that, you know, then there's crying. And I'm watching this for a while, and it's just—forgive me—it's just so dumb. (laughs) And so what was fun? You have a ladder, you have a slide. You're outside. It's beautiful day. And they all became miserable in the pursuit of being first. So Grandpa intervened, and I (laughs) grabbed the little phases. I didn't squeeze. It, I just grabbed him, and uh, <laughs> we had a conversation, you know, and uh, and so after the conversation, then they they'd run the ladder. You first, no, you first, no, you first, you know. <laughs> no, they weren't that good, but it was something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as soon as they stop trying to be first get so much, being egocentric, it was amazing how much better life was, how much happier they were. When they deferred to one another, it's just like all of a sudden they discovered this principle, oh wow, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, serving is a gift. It is a goodness that makes deposits in two places, in the heart of the recipient, and then in your own. Isn't that awesome? See, when you just get, it's just a singular deposit. But when you give, hey, that person's benefiting because of the gift, of your time, a kind word, a note, a deed, whatever it would be, but then there's a blessedness that you receive in your own. See, so many people miss out on being truly happy or having a heart of gratitude because they're just the bucket that accumulates they're not the hose that gives. They're not not sharing what they're doing. I want you to consider this truth this morning that I think is a recipe, a script to help you be more grateful, which garners the smile of God, is to see your life as a resource, as a gift to be given. See, what other talents or abilities you have Everyone in this room can be a gift to someone else. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone here has the capacity to be a vessel of goodness in the life of somebody else. Everyone can shake a hand. Everyone can offer a hand of encouragement. Everyone can probably write a note. Everyone can be an assistant. Everyone can open a door. I mean, from from small to great, everyone here can magnify the gratitude in your own heart by being magnanimous to other people's lives. See your life as a resource. In this world, so little of what we do matters. The book of James makes this clear. It's going to burn up, it's going to be rust. But when you and I choose to help other people, when we lighten the load, when we're an encouragement, then we just may be doing something that actually makes a difference in this world. Jesus said if we did something as as simple and small of offering a cup of cold water to a needy person, that we would be doing something that that garners the attention of God, because it would be like giving it to God Himself. You enrich them, and you help yourself. See, the blessing runs two ways. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a great writer, observed this, and he said this, you cannot sincerely help another person without helping yourself. Now, I'm not trying to make this selfish. I'm just trying to, it's just a biblical principle. You can't, you can't. It's like in, in doing something good for you, for you, Josh, if I try to help you, well, that, that's right and good. But even if it's not my intention, I'm, I'm safeguarding and growing my own heart. See, the barn builder couldn't grasp that. I'll just get a bigger barn and my heart will be better. I'll get a bigger barn and my heart will be happier. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. The Lord wasn't asking man to impoverish himself, He wasn't asking him to be wealthy. As a matter of fact, the more He got this right, the wealthier He probably became. He just said, be good to people, share it, invest in the kingdom of God. Which, what is that? It's people. It's people. Something happens in the human heart. When we empty ourselves of self-centeredness, when we surrender our way, think of the study, we humble ourselves and make our life's pursuit serving and helping other people. Humility and goodness improves another person's quality of life and our own. It's been discovered that when we engage in self-giving, doing something for another person, that our brains set off a series of neurochemical reactions that secure for us positive emotion. Wow! What's that mean? When you're generous, you're happy. That's the way God designed us. That's why it's more blessed to give. See, that's, that, that's, not, a, that's not a sentiment. That's a Biblical truth. That's a, that's a promise that we can put into work. Blessed, happy, uh, to have what God wants for us. We think gain, wealth, recognition. Likes on Instagram will make us happier. We want to find happiness in a thousand things that we have, but that's not where happiness and gratefulness comes from. Again, not an evil, but stuff begets entitlement. Entitlement always diminishes the heart. Fulfillment, joy, gratitude elude us, not because we are not denied some pleasure, but because we pursue them too much. And that's not how God has designed us, our Creator. He's not made us to find fulfillment in things, but in Him and in serving people. That's why the Bible says, if you want to gain, you have to lose. To find life, you have to die. The kernel of wheat has to die, and then it can sprout. That's how you become grateful and have a better life. Being a self-giver, as it turns out... Is doing what's best for you, not just another person. I I love this study. A researcher at Penn State University asked um, 200 students to write down the names of 10 people they knew best. Okay, so just real quickly, think of of three people you know, whatever. Who are the three or four people you know best? And uh, next to each name, they would describe them as self-giving and or selfish. So, Troy Durrell, is he self-giving or is he selfish? Okay, he is self-giving. Um. <laughs> oh, Jesus help me. Then they are to go back, and then they are instructed to go back to next, each name and describe them, and I know these words, you know, are superficial, but is happy or unhappy. So, you got it now? Okay, here's what they discovered. of people who were servant-oriented described their lives as incredibly happy and they were super grateful. 95% of the selfish people were rated as unhappy and ungrateful. I think Penn State got it right. Loving people and seeking their good, whether it be family, friends, um, or whatever else be, um, is a powerful force for good for people and ourselves. I, I, I want us today to really think that principle through. And I'm going to offer this um, thing to think about. Hey, everybody look up here. I want you to get this. As a church family, as um, a Western person who lives with much, as someone who maybe has been the recent recipient of blessing, hey, let's all be aware of the danger of entitlement. It's hard to have stuff without feeling that way. It's hard to make more without that thing growing in your heart. Simple exercise. Be aware of the danger of entitlement. Just know this principle at work in, in the human heart. In gaining more, on the outside, you can become less on the inside if you're not careful. It doesn't have to be axiomatic. I'm just suggesting if you're not careful, if you're not thoughtful, if you're not self-giving, if you're not generous, it can happen. With increased salary, paycheck, with elevation in title and position, with more responsibility, with a nicer car, with more stuff, and the unguarded heart, you can also have a diminished heart and become entitled. <clears throat> and I don't have time to man- talk about all the manifestations of entitlement, but most of us know what that looks like. So, what do we do? Give. Serve. When someone is good to you, um... It's important that you return. We, we think about being thankful as a sentiment, and in part it is. But really, when someone does something good for us, yeah, you can have the sense of thank you, but what we really need to do is then do something in return. And if not always for the, the person who gave it, just to do it. There's this story in the New Testament that, 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 that talks about this. There was a man who had a great debt and he was forgiven it. You with it? Great, he was forgiven it. He set free. He goes about his life and all of a sudden there's another man who was indebted to him. What did he do? He wouldn't forgive him. And the Lord had a really negative opinion about that. What's the principle? As a people, as a church, God has blessed us greatly. There better be stuff flowing out of this place. A love of Jesus that extends beyond these walls. You and I need to be the receptacles of grace to this community, to whom much is given, much is, say it with me, required. If God's forgiven you, and if you're a Christian, He has, then be kind and forgiving. If God has blessed you with anything, then be willing to pour that out to others. Why? Because it's good for the people around you, and it's good for your own heart. Today, if, you know, I know I should be thankful. I should have a better heart here. Hey, you can do something about that. You don't have to muster the sentiment. You may not feel it. But you can do something about it and be a servant here in the church. Find a ministry to be involved in. Go do, you, you, you want to really do something this week uh, for Thanksgiving uh, to, to change your life, go change someone else's. Go do something for someone as a family this week. Go, go be a blessing. You know, eat your turkey and give one to someone else. You with me? We, we have to safeguard this, this idea of Entitlement. Just remember, Acts twenty thirty five. it's more blessed to give than receive. That is a truth that all of us need to remember. How do you have a heart of gratitude? Well, you share your heart. You share your life. You share your time. You share your goodness. You share your blessings. You do good for them. And you do good for yourself. Let me ask you to stand this morning, if you would.